Lower your expectations. It's a hockey podcast from Lance, Coach, and Randall. Gabe Gifford Hockey is our Season 2 sponsor. Fantastic young man. He has recorded 21-hour stick time lessons and put them online as a course. It'll take your little champion through 20 hours of competitive hockey lessons. You can get more out of stick and puck with your child. It's better, and it's a lot less expensive than a regular private coach would be. Give him a look, because he's a great kid, and he's helped us out a lot. This meeting is being recorded. Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of the Youth Hockey Podcast. You might wonder why I'm being so emphatic in the way I speak right now. It is because this is the third time we have tried to put this podcast on its feet. Lance, what happened the first time? Raleigh, what happened the second time? Well, the first time, um, uh, the coach kind of uh, lost his way as far as trying to come up with the correct wording for certain (laughs) events in hockey. And let's not blame the coach entirely. Both you and I were useless to help him. So, I mean, basically, we wandered out on a plank and then just sat there for about 10 minutes not knowing what to say. So that was the first one. And now, Coach Ralston? Well, then Lance, uh, I, I just want to be fair. Lance, Lance did uh, was able to find the word I was looking for, but um, I also did fall out of my chair and I uh, had to use my medical alert uh, bracelet. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we all had to wait for people to come and help me back up into my chair. But um, then, uh, then we were... <laughs> very carefully trying to recreate the magic of the first 10 minutes. Yes. And we I was had the exact in, same speed. Yeah. No, in a you, rant. Were, you, and were, then, you were great. And we were there. Yeah, I know. We were Lance, all there. Lance Lance comes the, goes, Am I, is anybody there? Am anybody here? In the middle of uh, Ralston's fantastic recap of all that we had said in the first time we'd recorded it, Lance comes and goes, Hey, uh, any, anybody around any, anybody here? So, so then uh, we got onto this, and I'm sorry if this is not entertaining to you, the <laughs> listener uh, at youthhockeypodcast.com. We still respect and love you. Uh, it's just we we uh, we can't believe uh, uh, how how many uh, missteps we've taken uh, already tonight. But let's get past them now, gentlemen. Let's get past them. And I yes. want to quote Lance Alexander uh, in what he said right before the uh, the season began. He said, uh, "Randall." I hate these new rules. I think they're going to kill the sport. Kill the sport dead, he said. Uh, Raleigh, uh, what, what's your take on uh, Lance's huge prediction at, that the entire sport of hockey would be demolished by the new refing rules this year? Now that we've yeah. seen them, now that we've seen them for a year. No, I, I agree. Um, yep. yeah. But the, well, okay, a lot of rules <laughs> we went over were um, were body contact rules. I don't think those turned out to be as bad as I was uh thinking they might be now now lance and i have heard this exact same take twice uh listeners so you're gonna hear us in the background going oh geez uh, coach raleigh <laughs> did you think those were about go no and and um uh coach raleigh but tell me about what you think about the delayed offsides rules i mean yes after, after this long go, go ahead go <clears throat> ahead um now, now i do want to say uh i do think that uh, body contact has been reduced which i guess was their goal maybe not uh, entirely uh, because it should have been um, or should be, but uh, it's, it seems to be reduced. Um, and I also want to say that um, I think the refs sort of have decided that they're going to call what they want to call. And they're not really calling to the letter of the law. A lot of the stuff that um, like, as an example, one, one call I've never seen going to put something new in here. <laughs> on Fantastic. take three uh, <laughs> take three take three we get to the freshest words ever all right never seen them like i've never seen a call where there was two guys um you know scrumming for a puck and a third guy came in and clobbered somebody and they called that as you know sort of that that third man um interfering whatever role it is uh ne- haven't seen that called all year but uh anyway the rule that's just horrible is the delayed offsides it's god awful it's it's i feel it's harming uh players sensibilities i mean you see it like 
they, the players picked up right away, like, okay, if there's a play at the blue line, all I got to do is pop it back in the zone. The whistle's going to blow. Everyone relaxes. And so it's, and, and you can, it's just bad. It's, it's nothing like hockey uh, once, once that rule goes away. So I, I, I think that that rule should be uh, removed with extreme prejudice. Dead and buried, Coach Ralston. Dead and buried. I believe that's what you said in take one. Uh, I'm yes. not positive. I believe that was it. Uh, the flow of the game, uh, uh, Lance, do you think that uh, the rules have uh, really hurt the flow of the game that you've been watching? Or or do you think that uh, the NCDC and um, uh, the the uh, the Division three USPHL uh, have 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 not had those? rules? I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't keep up. Uh, I know in USA, yeah, they hockey, don't have those rules. So you have not been watching bad hockey. You've been watching good hockey. Uh, yes, I mean, there is the one rule that uh, I will ask uh, the coach what he thinks of um, that the USPHL, the USPHL does have delayed offsides, which is which is great because, man, if there was no delayed offsides, there would be whistles every 30 seconds and the game would probably take about five hours. Uh, but the rule they do have, which I find rather interesting, is on a delayed penalty in every league I played in, if if during a delayed penalty a team scores a goal, um, they lose their power play. The goal is their is their benefit of the penalty. But in the USPHL across all tier two and tier three, if you score during the delayed penalty, you you get to keep your power play. So you I've seen teams before get two goals on one penalty. Yeah, well, they're that's, playing with a man up, which to me, I don't know if I like that. That's that's a bad rule. I mean, you, you got the advantage of, of getting your extra player on there and you got what you were looking for, which was a man up goal. That should be it. They're, they, I don't see why you're getting an extra penalty on top of that. Um, now, <clears throat> um, uh, on the, it, you know, on the flip side of that or, or an alternative to that would be in the NHL. I want to thank you for uh, – explaining to me that there's this thing called a penalty shot penalty um, shot as yeah. i apparently <laughs> forgot <laughs> but <laughs> that you know uh when, when they do call a penalty shot um wow it is so hard now in the nhl to score you see you know in the uh in the games that go to shootouts another another thing i i don't like but you know you kind of got to hold your nose and that they're trying to you know settle games at the end but um you can see that the penalty shots um, it's, it's in favor of the goalie significantly. I mean, guys are luckily lucky if they're penalty shot experts and they're, and they're scoring, you know, 20% of the time, 20, 25% of the time uh, in a, in a one-on-one on the goalie. And so you almost never see a guy score on a penalty shot. Uh, you know, it's, it's a rare occurrence. And then uh, teams always argue, you know, in the NHL, they're always like, Oh, why, why, why is he getting a penalty shot? I'd be like, hey, great, give him a penalty shot. You know, 98% of the time it gets saved and then you, you don't get your power play. I think that uh, the, the, that would be better in the NHL if, if, uh, if you got a penalty shot, you get your, your chance to score. If you don't score, you still get your power play. Well, but, uh, uh, let's face it, though. Uh, soccer has a problem with penalty shots, too. That's because they all go in. Uh, so I think I think you have to uh, I think you have to get between soccer and hockey with penalty shots at some, in some way so that it's like it's a 50 50 proposition that if you're not going to do what you were just saying, I like I like yeah. your solution as well. But uh, if you want to make uh, uh, either of them exciting, uh, um, which I think at one time the penalty shot was very exciting. I, I wonder what the uh, what the percentages were like year to year for penalty shots um, and what they were like in the sixties and the seventies and the eighties, I'm willing to bet uh, that Ralston is right. And they've gone up considerably. Uh, that's the save percentages. That is not the percentage yeah. that go in. Well, I think yeah. a lot of that is a function of the equipment though, too, because in the, in the sixties and the seventies, um, you know, goalie, you could barely tell a goalie was wearing gear. Now today, the guy comes out like the state puff, marshmallow guy you know his gear alone covers half the net yeah and they've tried you know the the gear is so light too um uh, most people will probably never know never you know see a well uh, goalie parents you know your kids pads they they don't weigh very much 
back in the 70s, 80s, the, a pad, it was heavy. Like those kids had to be really build up their leg strength. So yeah, the, the, the equipment's just so much better. I think it was just a bunch of moving blankets back in the 60s. They would just take a bunch of moving blankets, cut a hole in the head, put them on a kid, and that was his, uh, that was his goalie equipment. Yeah, well, then wrap it up with some uh, thick leather and oh, uh, yeah. stitch that up. And yeah. there, yeah, absolutely. You got that. That's, yeah, that's some goalie pads. You got yourself uh, an outfit. Now, now Dave, may I, uh, may I give you guys a funny little story about my youth? I played yes. goalie a few times in my youth. And again, I didn't understand the world of hockey like I do now. So I was given to play goalie. I was given a chest protector, a catcher's face mask, uh, a glove, um, a goalie stick, and then these homemade pants. And at the end of the game, I remember asking myself, how do NHL goalies survive? Because my arms were just covered in welts where the puck was hitting my forearm on my wrist. Was, on this, my... Uh, was this ice hockey with actual pucks? Yeah, but the good news was is that the people shooting the pucks couldn't shoot. Imagine if they could actually shoot the pucks. Then I would have well, really been dead. I had no idea. That I was just like, who, who was the sadist? <laughs> I was like, uh, yes, uh, Lance Alexander, here you go. Uh, I'm going to have you play goalie, my friend. My young yeah, friend. Was the now here's one. the equipment you need. <laughs> let me Are we let me be see using pucks, coach. Yes. Yeah. Organize rubber pucks. We will. It could. It could now have get been in a way. There and block some pucks. <laughs> exactly. It could have been a way to find out that Lance was not the most popular kid uh, in his in his school, or it could just could have been. You know how much you need a goalie sometimes. Uh, uh, any goalie in a storm. So Lance, uh, uh, kudos for you to go out and take the beating that you did. Because those kids, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a game without a goalie, because uh, we've had some in in-house. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's the most boring thing you've ever done. You're like, who cares? If you don't have a goalie, it's stupid. So you went out there. You took one for the team. Lance Alexander, again, raising the bar in in, uh, in podcasting and in goalieing. Now I know it. Exactly. I know. Now, yeah, no, I was the Iron yeah. Man. That's you're, right. you're exactly right. Um, back in those days. And, and uh even even like goalies that had legitimate equipment. Uh, so so, for example, um, you know, the goalie cup is not like your average cup that the regular players will wear. It's a, usually a big, gigantic thing that almost looks like a I don't know, like your stormtrooper or something <laughs> wearing that. That yeah, lower, no, lower piece. Yeah, no, I've seen the same thing that the cricketers wear. Have you seen those cages that cricketers wear? wear? They're kind of similar. OK. Yeah, um, yeah, cricketers, cricket balls. Oh, ouch. you know, and, and and there's usually a you know a steel metal plate in there. Mm. <clears throat> and um, my brother uh, played goalie, and he took a shot off of his cup, and it it broke that metal plate right in half. So uh, mm. that, that tells you um, something about being a goalie. Uh, it's not great in some circumstances. Uh, the other thing is that. Um, I, I've, I know I've talked about this before, but like when you, you know, back in my era, every practice, our goalies would have to go take a minute, uh, five, six, seven times per practice because they take a shot up high somewhere, you know, off the shoulder, off the arms. There was almost no protection. It was, you know, there was kind of like some quilting was all they wore on their arms. And pretty much your experience, Lance, was every goalie. Like every goalie was covered with bruises, head to head to foot, but especially their upper body, because the the equipment that they had was just terrible. Now, there's equip that they these uh, arm things that they have. I mean, a kid can take one off the arm and and literally doesn't feel the puck. So it's a, it's really a lot right. more about uh, you know a kid that's just using the hand eye to to, uh, to save things versus in I think in the olden days it was also sort of a test of your uh, intestinal fortitude as a, as a kid that, you know, were you willing to accept that kind of pretty constant pain that you were going to suffer? But anyway, that sounds like my childhood right there. I mean, I think in, in, uh, in a sentence, uh, was I willing to accept <laughs> the kind of pain that I was going to suffer in order to be a, a, a child? It summarizes uh, the seventies and yeah, in, it does the eighties, early eighties as well, yeah. my friend, early eighties as well. Um, uh, I wanted to move us into a uh, discussion uh, that, that Coach Ralston and I were talking about before the podcast. Uh, Coach Ralston has uh, 
what I would call uh, some some very uh, uh, technical and deep uh, knowledge of. Uh, can I can I interject something there, Randy? No, no, you may not. <laughs> I was kidding, Come Lance. On. Of you course you can. Ah, of course you can't stop Lance Alexander. Go ahead. Exactly. I just wanted to interject because I I I did get a chance to overhear the two of you talking, and I have to say that before this evening, I thought to myself, you know what? I think I've heard just about everything I can hear that has anything to do with skating only to find out that uh, coach Ralston is going to wow us with even more skating information. The man oh, is boy. an encyclopedia unabridged. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there are abridged version. This is what I would say in hockey. Uh, like, like um, there's knowledge and then there's abridged knowledge. Most parents have the abridged version of hockey coach Ralston. He went all the way to the top shelf, got off the biggest book that he could, and that's where he put. <laughs> that's where he put all of the things that he has uh, in the back of his head uh, to draw upon. So this will uh, be this will be unabridged. You were saying? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. and, and I am scooting to the edge of my seat. I am joining the, you there. I, you can buy the whole chair, we, but all we need is the edge of it. So go ahead, Coach. Uh, uh, let us know what what's going on. All right. Um. Look, this is this is um, going to be maybe somewhat of a a slight uh, advertisement for uh, some people that have uh, helped me with some new ideas, new thinking, new terminology. Um, but I, I want to start with this observation that I think most, maybe all parents uh, have, which is that there's a big difference between watching something. And and the what you know, what something looks like versus mechanically what it actually is, and this is true of a lot of sports, uh, baseball, golf for sure. Um, <clears throat> I remember learning how to play golf uh, and looking at a swing and thinking this swing looks to me like this you know, and then trying to, you know, just have my body do what I thought in my mind a swing was and only to find out, no, it's, it's actually an interconnected series of movements that are nothing like what I thought it looked like. So um, skating is very much like this as well. Um, just maybe slightly to just introduce this. Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, like the basics of uh, the forward skating stride. Um, you know, if you've skated, maybe you have an idea, but I think that a lot of people, when they look at skating and there's a lot of coaching that goes into it, there's this idea that, okay, well, one foot is maybe on the ice and the other foot pushes backwards and that sends you forward. And that's really completely incorrect. It's, that's not at all what happens with skating in a, in a forward stride. What, that, what is actually happening is that the person who's skating is pushing outward to the side and their skate is kind of angled a little bit. Maybe their toe is angled outward. And the fact and the difference between that first skate and the second skate pushing out to the side is what makes the person go for, forward. Would you guys... Uh, agree that maybe is something that that looks somewhat deceptive oh definitely that a curiosity uh, it's 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 definitely deceptive and you know the thing you know because i i experience it with my two sons you know how it just seems to me that like everyone's style is like completely different from the another um yeah i i think that's another thing is that uh, i i would agree with that that um you uh that, that there's different types of body types. There's di different people have, you know, some people have a long, you know, maybe uh, a long uh, upper thigh um, where, and, you know, maybe a longer lower leg that that, that person's going to maybe de develop a style that fits their body. And it's going to be different than somebody who, you know, doesn't have that same kind of body type. Um, so th there's definitely a lot of different ways to skate. Um, but there's these kind of like basic things that are um, sort of universal. And <clears throat> so I want to talk about this guy, 
Um, here's where I'll, you know, it's, I'm going to give an unofficial sort of heads up. Um, years and years ago, there's a, there was a guy that um, I found on the internet in the interwebs, I guess. Uh, and he's Raleigh, uh, this is a, this is a family show. Uh, are you sure you want to go on with this story? Yeah, it doesn't involve uh, cats or anything like that. So it's, <laughs> I think it's going to be safe. Yeah, I just so, want to make sure. Go ahead. So he, he was on the dark web of hockey. Yeah, he, he's a coach up in, in Vancouver uh, area. And his name is Jason Yee. There, there's a number of guys like this, but uh, but you can find him um, on YouTube. And what first uh, sort of attracted me to look in, and to watch some of his videos is that he, he does these um, breakdowns of the uh, of the skating technique of some of the, you know, best NHLers. So one of the ones that he has is very popular is, uh, about Connor McDavid and how Connor McDavid skates. And, uh, what you see with a lot of these super fast players, super fast skaters is that, um, there is, that they're using techniques that I don't think were ever taught by any coach back in the olden days. And I think that this is uh, another thing about hockey. It's a, it's a series of evolutionary steps where one generation picks up things from the next generation and so on. And uh, we can use the, the example of um, Sidney Crosby being a very influential player. And I think when Crosby, when people started looking at why is Crosby so successful, they, they noticed that there's a lot of things that people have done they, they've existed in skating and in hockey for for many years but he he found that there were certain technical advantages that he could exploit in using some of these techniques um, that one of the ones that um, is, is now very much associated with Crosby is the fact that he turned the use of a mohawk which uh, they call it, no, mohawks or ten and twos where your, your heels are like in on your body and both of your toes are pointed outward and you can kind of make an arc um, using that technique. Now, every kid is taught and, and, and there's drills that emphasizes doing these Mohawks. Um, that didn't used to be the case. Uh, I don't think it was ever brought up or ever trained back in my day. Now, every coach that's, that's even, you know, uh, coaching a, a entry level of hockey is probably going to be teaching their kids that and having drills where they employ that. And there's certain places where, where, you know, doing that is a, is a, a, an advantage, uh, you know, that, that the player can use to, uh, to maybe attack around the net or things like that. Yeah. Can you give us an example of where that might be useful? Uh, like for a, for a winger or, well, well, obviously... the first thing, the first thing about the Mohawk is um, what, what, what I've noticed about it is here's, here's kind of what happens. Let's say I'm a right-handed player and I'm skating up the ice and uh, I'm going through the neutral zone and you'll see defensemen do this a lot, certain defensemen in particular. Um, so they'll be coming up the side and a player will come to, you know, attack them to challenge them some of these players are very good at doing a quick Mohawk where they do basically a, a step push. And in doing that, they open up their body so that they can, they're now turned sort of sideways so that they have all this range of being able to move the puck. They can move it forward. They can move it sideways. And, and what you see happen in that case is that the player who's defending is sort of naturally thrown off a, a, for a second. And then it gives it, it ends up giving that player, the player that executed it uh, a little bit of extra time. I also see coaches coaching this a lot around, around the blue line for defenders or somebody that's, that's coming out and making an arc coming around the zone. They'll throw it in for the same reason that, that it allows you to turn your body and now have a lot more uh, opportunity to move the puck in different, in, in a couple different places, because you've, you've now faced you know, the, the, the zone in a, in a, a way where you have more options. It's an optionality technique. So there's, there's a couple of things that players find all sorts of ways to, to use this. And so you can watch any game and you'll see players throwing this in 
You see it at, uh, you know, pretty much every level from peewee to, you know, peewee on up now that kids are using this. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's just an example of some of these uh, things. And I think uh, having players that are uh, having coaches that are uh, making these things uh, something that uh, parents can understand and coaches can understand is, is a uh, necessary evolution. And, um, and, that, and that this isn't something that older coaches necessarily were ever exposed to. I think plenty of them pick it up and they understand what it is and they, and they start to figure out what's good about it. But they're, you know, I'm just saying it, it wasn't really uh, something that was coached back in, back in the, you know, maybe 70s, 80s, maybe even, you know, up until the early 90s. Um, so uh, I want to just kind of give uh, Jason Yee credit. And so, uh, another thing that uh, I picked up from him was the idea of ankle collapse. And I, I think we talked about ankles before, but um, I want uh, this term of ankle collapse is, you know, goes to the kind of basic mechanic of a forward stride, which is that when you look at usually faster players, you'll notice that they tend to uh, they tend to use their inside edges more. There, uh, and so he, he his his term for this was ankle collapse, in that the foot that's stepping on the ice to to sort of initiate the next stride that's going to happen will already be bias towards the inside edge and then even on some players and this this is where that like uh that video that we were talking about with uh with Connor mcdavid like Connor mcdavid when you actually slow it down and look and you see when he's like fully in uh you know in in uh, almost a gallop he his feet are immediately like starting to bias inwards and so when you look at how he skates, you think this is another thing where you think, okay, well, what's forward skating? If I, you know, if I kind of had tracks or something, I should see that the, you know, I should see these footsteps kind of going in a straight line, like uh, if somebody was walking through snow and with snowshoes. But really, what it is is that the the player is kind of almost going from from side to side. They're like going to the left and then going back to the right, going to the left and going back to the right. Their their bo entire body weight is transferring, um, and some of this uh, has to do with footwork. And so uh, I think it's worth noting that there's a lot of different ways to skate. And uh, some of these um, mechanical things are something that if you notice a kid that's, that's struggling and you actually start and look at their feet, you may find that things like how flexible their ankles are is is a limiting factor you might notice that if they're uh if they're not um biasing towards the inside edges if they're not their feet are not collapsing inwards that um this is a, a place where there's a lot of lost energy um so these are these are all things that uh that kind of go into this and um one other concept i just wanted to introduce is the concept of shin angle and uh, I first, again, got this from Jason Yee, but um, I've seen this more and more being sort of acknowledged and discussed all, all through the hockey community, that this idea of shin angle, the idea of shin angle is if your foot is, is flat on the ice and you have, uh, you're, you're sort of um, leaning and you have some knee bent such that your knee is out over your toe, there's going to be an angle between your foot and your shin and your knee that's going to be flexed forward. So rather than it being like a 90 degree angle, it's going to be, you know, maybe a 60 degree angle. And the best hockey players, when you look at them, you will see that, you know, the best skaters, you will notice that they have, they tend to have a significant um, uh, degree of shin angle in their in their normal skating and uh it that that shin angle thing is another thing you can start to look at with your player because if they're standing sort of straight up and their their foot is kind of making a 90 degree angle um 
that's not going to be a optimal mechanical way of skating. And um, I would say about it that some of it is strength, some of it is flexibility, some of it is training, but you can, I always felt like um, I intuitively sort of had this because for me, the feeling was that if you have, I, and I would say to kids, like you should have a feeling of pressure on the top of your ankle when you're skating forward. And if you don't have that feeling of pressure where you're, then you don't have shin angle. That's really what it comes down to. I didn't know it was shin angle at the time, but I know that, you know, my feeling of when I was skating fast and, and in a forward direction, when I was trying to get acceleration was I had, I had a feeling that, you know, I'm leaning forward and my feet are pressing on the top of my, my, my skate such that there's, uh, you know, a lot of pressure on the tongue of the skate. So these are all things that you can talk to your kid about and maybe train them. And especially if they're, if they're not skating as well as, as uh, maybe other players, there's some things you can look at there and maybe diagnose and talk to the coach and I have found a lot of coaches don't necessarily uh, have, a, have an idea of what's going wrong. They, they, can, tell, they can tell you whether, you know, who, who the fastest skaters are, are on their team. But if you go to a coach and say, well, my kid's uh, like, you know, 50%, you know, he's in the middle of the pack. Um, he, he's working on his game. We'd like to figure out how, how we get from 50% to, you know, maybe he could be 80% or up in the top 10% of the players, you might find they have absolutely no idea to, you know, uh, you get things like, well, he's got to work harder and stuff like that. Well, well, can I, you- can I jump in uh, here, uh, coach? Yeah, um, yeah. Is there anyone that you'd recommend locally that you think breaks down a skater's stride? Um, and I know this doesn't help out the people in Switzerland, sorry, Lawrence, yeah. but um, if there anyone that you would say like in SoCal that totally gets what you're saying, uh, and can break people down that way. That's well, that's an interesting question. I've never talked to an individual coach about this. We, we all know here in SoCal, some of the really good hockey uh, skating coaches. And I think there's some at every club. Um, but uh, I can't really say, hey, there's somebody I know who's really hip to all this new kind of technology stuff that I would want to like confidently say, yeah, you know, I think this person has got it. No, that's I, cool. I, I, I don't want to put you on, on blast here. I just was like, you know, what you have there is a great set of questions to ask a skating instructor either way. By the way, you, it, it doesn't reduce uh, your contribution there at all. I still think all that you said is really cool and good to know as a parent. I was just wondering if there was, you know, because not all parents can, can, can ask the questions like you can. So yeah. I was wondering if there's anybody that you had that you were like, oh yeah, this guy gets it. So well, that's kind of why I, that's kind of why I brought it up. Anybody can go on, find Jason Yee on, on YouTube, watch some of his videos. He'll, you know, you can, he'll, he lays out these concepts. You can see what they are with your own eyes and then sort of compare. Uh, it's not going to turn you into a kinesiologist. Uh, I'm not, a, you know, I don't have that, that level of understanding of a lot of this stuff either. But, um, you know, that's what I was going to ask you a question on that, because I I don't know. I'm not sure how I kind of stumbled on. um, I kind of stumbled across him, Uh, didn't realize at first you were talking about Jason Yee Mm -hmm. and I get I get uh, video tutorials, I guess I'll say all the time from the guy now. And uh, I haven't really looked too closely at it. But the question I was going to ask you for like the common dad of a squirt age say uh player maybe peewee player do you find his tutorials are they very easy to consume and follow and implement or is it too complicated or what do you think well i don't think that that his i i don't think that what he's doing is tutorials um you know he has a like a whole curriculum and you you know you can sign up for that if you want to and uh uh, I, I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't do that for anybody. Um, I will say these videos are, are more something anybody can watch to kind of get an education on these terms that I'm talking about and what exactly they are. And then you can compare with your kid and then you can have a conversation with a coach, um, especially if 
your kid is uh, having issues with their skating. And um, that, that's really what, what I, you know, what I was trying to get out of this is just like, here's, here's a couple term pieces of terminology, shin angle, ankle collapse. If you understand what those are and you look at the way your kid skates and you notice that there's some real issues. Now there's a bunch of other things that are tied to this. There's a, there's actually, you know, upper body rotation, but you know, the, the other thing is the more videos that you watch, the more you'll see one guy says this and another guy says that, and you'll, and you'll literally find videos where people are, you know, essentially arguing where one guy's making a video saying, uh, you know, like one of the ideas is, um, well, that, that there's these, um, there's these pretty well-known hockey skating coaches. And I know we all, all of our kids at one time or another did a session with one of these skating coaches or clinics that uh, ostensibly teach you, um, uh, teach you, you know, skating. Um, I remember a couple of those that taught me how to part with $60. Is, yeah, I mean, is that I mean, the guy you're talking about? Because I'm not sure if he taught anything, uh, uh, but I, I do know uh, that on some of these uh, skating clinics, I learned how to give money away very, very quickly and efficiently. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I mean, there, there are clinics like anything else, and and the the question is, is is somebody you know teaching a particular technique to a kid, is that actually the best way to skate or not? And uh, like one of those things is you know, whether, how, how, how much should the feet come together in a stride? Well, um, you'll find people who will show you that certain players, their feet never come closer than shoulder length together. And these are some of the fastest skaters in, in the world, you know, in, in the hockey world. Um, so that's why I think it's worth watching some of these videos because you can, you can see what the guy's breaking down. He can talk about you know, the, the uh, kinesiology related to the chain of, of things that are going on mechanically for these, these people. I don't think that most of these people, maybe any of them started out with the idea that, hey, I'm this is how I should skate. They, I think most of them sort of naturally arrive at the, you know, the technique that makes them really fast. But there's also plenty of people that don't arrive at that or flat out learn how to skate wrong or something that's very limiting. And I do think that you can um, retrain. And like, you know, for me, that idea of, well, uh, if, if a guy who's, uh, you know, doing power skating is teaching you that you should bring your feet together and have a long push phase of your push foot, and then maybe a toe flick, and then bring it back, and then you do the other one, well, then you watch guys whipping around the ice and you see that they don't do that at all. There's a disconnect there, you know? So I think uh, it, it's worth, it's worth uh, looking at what that disconnect might be. And, and uh, a great place to start is with these people that really skate very well and everybody acknowledges that they skate well and they're fast and they're agile and, and, and look at what do they do and try and break that down. And I think there's a sort of newer set of coaches. Uh, I think Jason Yee is one of them. There's a bunch of other ones. Um, but uh, Jason's a guy that um, I, I do know and, and my kid has worked with. And, um, and I know he knows what he's talking about because he studied kinesiology. So when he breaks these things down, there's a, you know, he, he's, he's talking about a lot of stuff that and has terminology that goes along with it that I think you can pick up a piece here and there as a parent. And then maybe it's a way of judging when you go to somebody that's, that your, your son or daughter is working with and you can you know, find out what exactly are they trying to do? You know, do, do they see the same things you see? Uh, do they have a plan? That, you know, I think that's the thing to start with too, is like, if you're going to, uh, I, I know lots of people that have gone to coaches at one point or another, yeah, yeah. I think that's really to make valuable. their kids skate faster. Yeah, I think that's really valuable. What you're saying is to have a plan uh, going into to any of these uh, uh, kind of um, 
you know, coaching or, or uh, even a, even a, um, if you have a camp that you're going to, I mean, what is the plan that you have? Because otherwise, if, if you don't really know what you're looking for, very often you don't get anything. Uh, not, not anything. That's not fair. But it's, it's uh, in, in many circumstances, I think uh, having a, a really good idea on the way in, because that's what Lance kind of preaches, really right. helps the outcome. Uh, if you know what you want and you know where you're going and you know, you know all of the markers uh, uh, along the roadside, uh, side, uh, you've got a much better chance of getting where you want to go. Yeah, it's 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 a one size fits all thing in a lot of cases, and um and I I will just sort of end this with you know one little factoid, which is, um, Braden Point, uh, is you know now everybody knows he plays for Tampa Bay. It's one of the best players in the NHL, one of the best forwards in the NHL for sure. Um, very effective player when he was uh, drafted, he was not drafted very high. I mean, I don't have the, the numbers here, but, but he was um, sort of an afterthought. And one of the reasons why he was not drafted higher was because um, the people that were um, looking at his play uh, said that he wasn't a good skater. I mean, this was, this was a criticism that was uh, a lot of scouts had. Not, not a good enough skater, not, not an NHL caliber skater. Well, then he went and worked with a, uh, a skating coach up in Canada um, who, who was actually a figure skater originally. And uh, it's a woman who's worked with a bunch of different players, I guess, at this point. And, uh, but anyway, she worked with him and, uh, you know, fast forward to a couple of years. I mean, obviously he's had since then tons of success. The guy is is an amazing player, uh, um, you know, an all-star now. A um, couple of years later, he's in the, the fastest skater competition and, you know, I think got edged out by Connor McDavid by, you know, a fraction of a second. Well, what does that tell you? It, to me, it, it tells you that there, if, if you get somebody who can actually understand what your problems are and, you, and you're willing to work on it, you can significantly improve your mechanics and what you're doing. You know, and, it's interesting. You made one comment there, not to interrupt you. No, go ahead. That, that I think, I'm not sure if you meant to say it, but I, but it, because in my mind, I think that kind of sums up one of the issues that we have with a lot of your local co coaches, wherever you live. You, you, I thought you or Randy said the word or the words uh, one size fits all. And yeah, I think a yeah. lot of coaches approach uh, approach their teaching methods in that theory of one size fits all. But unfortunately in the world we live in one size doesn't fit all. You yeah. Know, and, that's where and, I found the issues I've had is he's trying to fit my son's square peg into his round circle. Yeah. And that, he's not that's, adapting. And, and, and to go further and, and just be realistic about it. It's unlikely any coach is going to fix your kids unique problems within within the realm of a, of a kid playing on a team in a season. So a lot of this is the extra help that you're going, the lessons and the, you know, skating stick times and whatnot. It's, um, you know, that's where I think if you're paying somebody, you know, a certain amount of money for a private or a semi-private, then I think maybe you can raise your expectations a little bit and uh, and expect to get something that is a little more tailored to what your kid's individual concerns uh, right. might be but you also you also the kid you know i and also just to be fair like the kid has to be engaged in this with you uh because they're the ones that that experience it they're the ones that feel what they feel and um you know to go back to the like the daryl belfry stuff that we talked about a long time ago um you know daryl belfry talks a lot about how you know working with players i mean he's working most of the time now with NHL all-stars and talking about how, well, if there's a mechanic and he wants that player to tune that mechanic a little bit to be more effective, sometimes that's going to be very, very uncomfortable. And the, and the, you know, it, 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 these are grown men. So they're a lot more willing, you know, they're, they're perfectionists. They're looking to become better all the time. So, you know, it's a common thing. 
kids, it's not necessarily the same. I mean, a lot of times kids, it's, it's a criticism and it's, it's painful to be told you don't do it well. And so you got to get a kid at the right time with the right idea and the right attitude. And, and as a parent, you definitely have to certainly soft pedal and, and maybe try and get to the point with your kid where you've got, where you both have an understanding that, you know, I can always get better at stuff. And that's not, it doesn't, it's not a criticism of me as a person or a player or, you know, as a human being or as, as your child, you know, if my parent says, Hey, you know, honestly, you could, you could get a little bit better at this. Don't you think? And, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's a good point because maybe you not know, the best way to say it, but, <laughs> just say, but what you know, kid's the, gonna say no, but, uh, you know what I mean? The kids need to understand though, too. Like you said, I meant, I forgot I was, I was chatting with somebody, one of the, the scouts or our agencies, and they were saying that, you know, don't fool yourself. Connor McDavid looks in the mirror every night and says, I need to be faster. You right. know, so, so for someone to tell a, a 10 or 12 year old kid that there's things you could be better at, I mean, it's not a criticism because I guarantee you that every guy in the NHL is sitting there thinking, I could do this better or I could do that better. Yeah, every, every interview you see, you hear these things. I mean, it's somewhat just a boilerplate discussion from them, but uh, you know, what's every interview? Yeah, we, we're working on this. We're trying to get better at this. We think we can get better at that. Well, that's, that's for the team. But individually, you know that they're also thinking, well, I'm working on my shot. I'm working on you know, trying to more reliably do this. That they're working all the time. And that, that's another thing about Sidney Crosby. Everybody talks about, you know, Crosby. Um, I think I was seeing some interview recently with him uh, where uh, it would, they were talking to teammates, uh, former teammates of his, and they were all saying, yeah, you know, ever since the, you know, when I played with the kid, hardest working guy was always out there after practice, working on something with coaches uh, off season, always working. So um knowing that, that the best players are doing that. Um, it's certainly, you know, something you can use to encourage, uh, your, your kid that, Hey, you, you can get better at pretty much anything that you're doing. Right. And it's just, such an important topic. Cause I tell you, I've thought about it in the past too. If I could start all over from scratch, uh, and do this whole journey again, I think, uh, a huge portion of the focus would have been on skating for them at a very young age. I think I've seen firsthand where somebody evolves his skating ability and their whole game has evolved from that focus right there. It's yeah. I think, I think that's, that's absolutely true. Like the, uh, I mean, I think uh, maybe skating kind of comes together, but certainly if you're, let's just say if you're, 10% faster than most other people, then the way the game looks to you looks different than somebody who's 10% slower. You, you see opportunities that that person will never see because they're just not, they just don't present themselves. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, the game's played on ice. So the more mobile you are, the more, uh, the more just sort of fluid and the more. Uh, yeah. And the platform and the balance that you have, I think all come from your legs, uh, you know, no matter uh, somebody was asking about, you know, a kid that had great hands. And, and I, of course, immediately said, it's his hands are good. But, you know, like what he has is he got great balance so that he can show off his hands. You know, uh, what, what yeah. you're looking at, because it was like it was early. These are peewees, by the way. But I was like, I was like, his hands are good. But what you what you really see, in, in my opinion, um, at the time was a kid that had good enough balance that he could show off what he could do with his hands that's that's all it was it wasn't a uh, a kid that was just somehow um amazing with uh, his upper body he just had the balance and the you know everything came together on the platform so that he could start using other talents before other kids uh, usually do and that's that's why i thought um i thought that's what they were seeing uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you never can tell by the way i'm not I'm not. No, uh, I think I'm, I think that's yeah. that's absolutely true. Uh, balance, flexibility, um, uh, ability to to use edges, uh, lower body strength. All these things kind of come together. You know, they they talk about like a kinetic chain. Like it, 
movement is not one thing in, in, in hockey or any other sport. And I think um, if your kid is doing track and field, if your kid is doing is uh, I, my daughter pole vaulted for a while, there is, there was so much technical discussion that went into the years that she was uh, doing the pole vault. Like what, why wouldn't hockey have all of that? Of course it does. It has all that and more, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, try, try and find a coach who is interested in this type of stuff. Uh, even if it's an old dog, you, you got to learn new tricks. And, and I think you can find this by having conversations with people and, uh, you know, and now, if you ever go off on your own coach, I do recommend that you call yourself the old dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause you, you know, a lot of new tricks and I, I believe that, you know, like if you had your own podcast, it would be, you know, like an old dog teaches you, how, teaches you how to do, you know, things on the yeah. ice. Yeah. If you don't mind. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to wrap this one up because uh, we are well into minute 40 at this point. And uh, as much as I would like to uh, uh, get on to one of our other topics, I believe we give the people time to digest all that they just heard from Coach Raleigh and, uh, and, and come back uh, in fighting spirit for the next episode. Is that okay with you guys? That sounds wonderful. Yes. Oh, okay, gentlemen. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, you know, Coach Ralston has got a, a, a thundering amount of information. Uh, if you ever want to, um, you know, pick his brain, youthhockeypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's youthhockeypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are having our best weeks ever. Uh, and I believe it is because uh, people have gotten the word that Coach Ralston is uh, just spreading the joy. Uh, you know, uh, he is he is preaching. He uh, he's he's in form uh, and and he's uh, ready to take this show to the next level. Uh, Lance, uh, you always have been there, so it's not not fair. Lance, wait, has, wait until Lance, next week. No, no, <laughs> Lance has the, been there from numbers week come one. back on this one. No, 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 no. <laughs> we go down thirty percent. Okay, well we'll wait and see. And if nobody likes today's show, please drop us a line at youthhockeypodcast at gmail Thanks for listening, and we will come back next week on Monday at 7. Thanks. Remember to visit Gabe Gifford Hockey. The link is in the description and the webpage below.